Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. Now we are going to start with our chapter 15 of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, book 1 of Harry Potter and the chapter name is The Forbidden Forest. Things couldn't have been worse. Filch took them down to Professor McGonagall's study on the first floor. There they sat and waited without saying a word to each other. Hermione was trembling excuses, alibis and wild cover-up stories chased each other around Harry's brain, each more feeble than the last. He couldn't see how they were going to get out of the trouble this time. They were concerned. How could they have been so stupid as to pro- forget the cloak? There was no reason on earth that Professor McGonagall would accept for their being out of bed and creeping around the school in the dead of the night, let alone being up the tallest astronomy tower, which was out of bounds except for classes at Norwood on the invisibility cloak, and they might as well be packing their bags already had harry thought that things couldn't have been worse he was wrong when professor mcgonagall appeared she was leading neville harry neville burst out the moment he saw the other two i was trying to find you to warn you i heard malfoy saying he was going to catch you he said you had a drag Harry shook his head violently to shut Neville up, but Professor McGonagall had seen she looked more likely to breathe fire than Norbert as she towered over the three of them. I would never have believed it of any of you. Mr. Fletch says you were up at the astronomy tower. It's one o'clock in the morning. Explain yourselves. It was the first time Hermione had ne- ever failed to answer a teacher's question. She was staring at her slippers, as still as a statue. I think I've got an idea of what's been going on, said Professor McGonagall. It doesn't take a genius to work it out. You fed Draco Malfoy some cook and bull story about a dragon trying to get him out of bed in- and into trouble. I've already caught him. I suppose you think it's funny that Longbottom here heard the story and believed it too. Harry caught Neville's eye and tried to tell him without words that this wasn't true because Neville was looking stunned and hurt. Poor blundering Neville, Harry knew what it must have caused him to try and find them in the dark to warn them. I'm disgusted, said Professor McGonagall, four students out of bed in one night. I've never heard of such a thing before. You, Miss Granger, I thought you had more sense. As for you, Mr. Potter, I thought Gryffindor meant more than more to you than this. All three of you will receive detentions. Yes, you too, Mr. Longbottom. Nothing gives you the right to walk around the school at especially these days. It's very dangerous and fifty points will be taken from Gryffindor. Fifty, Harry gasped. They will lose the lead. The lead he'd won in the last Quidditch match. Fifty points each, said Professor McGonagall, breathing heavily through her long-pointed nose. Professor, please, you can't. Don't tell me what I can and can't do, Potter. 
Now, get back to bed, all of you. I have never been more ashamed of Gryffindor students. 150 points lost that Griffin that put Gryffindor in last place. One in one night, they ruined any chance Gryffindor had had for the house cup. Harry felt as though the bottom had dropped out of his stomach. How could they ever make up for this? Harry didn't sleep all night. He could hear Neville sobbing into his pillow for what seemed like hours. Harry couldn't think of anything to say to comfort him. He knew Neville, like himself, was treading the down. What would happen when the rest of the Gryffindor found out what they'd done? At first, Gryffindors passing the giant hourglasses that record the points the next day thought they'd been a mistake. What could they student and they suddenly have a hundred and fifty points favor than yesterday? And then the story started to spread. Harry Potter, the famous Harry Potter, the hero of two Quidditch matches, had lost them all their all those points, him and a couple of other stupid first years. From being one of the most popular and, and admired people at the school, Harry was suddenly the most hated. Even Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs turned on him, because everyone had been longing to see Slytherin lose the house cup. Everywhere Harry went, people pointed and didn't trouble to lower their voices as they insulted him. Slytherins, on the other hand, clapped as he walked past them, whistling and cheering. Thanks, Potter, we owe you one. Only Ron stood by him. They'll all forget this in a few weeks. Fred and George have lost loads of points in all the time they've been here, and people still like them. They've never lost 150 points in one go, though, have they? said Harry miserably. Well, no, Ron admitted. It was a bit late to repair the damage, but Harry swore to himself not to to meddle in things that weren't his business for now on. He'd had it was sneaking around and spying he felt so ashamed of himself that he went toward an offer to resign from the Quidditch team. Resign was thundered. What good'll that do? How are we going to get any points back if we can't win any at Quidditch? But Quidditch had lost its fun. The rest of the team wouldn't speak to Harry during practice, and if they had to speak about him, they called him the Seeker. Hermione and Neville were suffering too. They didn't have as bad time as Harry, as Harry, because they weren't as well known. But nobody could speak to them either. Hermione had stopped drawing attention to herself in class, keeping her head down and working in silence. Harry was almost glad that the exams weren't far away. All the revision we had to do except his mind off his misery. He, Ron, and Hermione kept to themselves working late into the night, trying to remember the ingredients in complicated potions, learn charms and spells off by heart, memorize the dates of magical discoveries and goblin rebellions. Then, about a week before the exams were due to start, Harry's new resolution not to interfere in anything what didn't concern him was put to him an unexpected test. Walking back from the library on his own one afternoon, he heard somebody whimpering from a classroom up ahead. As he drew closer, he heard Quirrell's voice. No, no, not again, please. 
It sounded as though that someone was threatening him. Harry moved closer. All right, all right, he heard Quirrell sob. Next second, Quirrell came hurrying all out of the classroom, straightening his turban. He was pale and looked as though he was about to cry. He strode off sight out of sight harry didn't think quirrell had even noticed him he waited until quirrell's footsteps had disappeared then peered into the classroom it was empty but a door stood ajar to the other end harry was halfway towards it before he remembered what he'd promised himself about not meddling all the same he'd have gambled twelve philosopher's stones the snape had just left the room and from what Harry had just heard, Snape would be walking with a new spring in his step. Quiddle seemed to have given in at last. Harry went back to the library, where Hermione was testing Ron on astronomy. Harry told them what he'd heard. Snape's done it, then said Ron. If Quiddles told him how to break his anti-dark force spell... They're still fluffy, though, said Hermione. Maybe Snape's found out how to get past him without asking Hagrid, said Ron, looking up as the thousands of books surrounded them. I bet there's a book somewhere in here telling you how to get past a giant three-headed dog. So, what do we do, Harry? The light of adventure was kindling again in Ron's eyes, but Hermione answered before Harry could. Go to Dumbledore, that's what we should have done ages ago. If we try anything ourselves, we'll be thrown out for sure. But we've got no proof, said Harry. Quirrell's too scared to back, uh, back us up. Snape's only got to say he doesn't know how the troll got in at Halloween and that he was nowhere near the third floor. Why do you think they'll believe him or us? It's not exactly a secret. We hate him. Dumbledore will think that we made it up to get him sacked. Filch wouldn't help us if this, his life depended on it. He's too friendly with Snape and more. the more students get thrown out, the better he'll think. And don't forget, we're not supposed to know about the Stone of Fluffy. That'll take a lot of explaining. Hermione looked convinced, but Ron didn't. If we just go do a bit of poking around, no, said Harry flatly. We've done enough poking around. He pulled a map of Jupiter towards him and started to learn the names of its moons. The following, the following morning, notes were delivered to Harry, Hermione and Neville at the breakfast table. They were all the same. Your detention will be take place at 11 o'clock tonight. Meet Mr. Filch in the entrance hall, Professor McGonagall. Harry had forgotten they still had detentions to do in the furore. Over the points they'd lost, he half expected Hermione to complain that this was a whole night of revision lost, but she didn't say a word. Like Harry, she felt they deserved what they've caught. At eleven o'clock that might they say goodbye to Ron in the common room and went down to the entrance hall and Neville felt was already there and so was Malfoy. Harry had also forgotten that Malfoy had got a detention too. Follow me, said Felt, lighting a lamp and leading them outside. I bet you'll think 
twice about breaking a school rule again, won't you? Uh, he continued leering at them. Oh, yes, hard work and pain are the best teachers, if you ask me. It's just a pity that they let the old punishments die out, hang out by your wrists from the ceiling for a few days. I've got the chains still in my office. Keep them well oiled in case they're ever needed. Right off you go and don't think of running now. It'll be worse for you if you do so. They marched off across the dark grounds. Neville kept sniffing, Harry wondering what their punishment was going to be. It must be something really horrible or Flitch would not be sounding so delighted. The moon was bright, but clouds scudding across it kept it through them into darkness. Ahead, Harry could see the lighted windows of Hagrid's hut. Then they heard a distant shout. Is that you, Fletch? I felt Harry up. I want to get started. Harry's heart rose. If they were going to be working with Hagrid, it wouldn't be so bad. His relief must be have showed in his face, because Phil said, I suppose you think you'll be enjoying yourself with that oaf. Well, think again, boy. It's into the forest you're going, and I'm much mistaken if you'll all come in out in one piece. At this, Neville let out a little moan, and Malfoy stopped dead in his tracks. The forest, he repeated, and he didn't sound quite as cool as usual. We can't go in there at night. There's all sort of things in there. Werewolves, I heard. Neville clutched the sleeve of Harry's robe and made a choking noise. That's your lookout, isn't it? said Filch, his voice cracking with glee. Should have thought of them werewolves before you got into trouble, shouldn't you? Hagrid came striding towards them out of the dark, fang at his heel. He was carrying his large crossbow and a queer of arrows hang, hung over his shoulder. About time, he said, I've been watching for half an hour already. All right, Harry, Hermione, I shouldn't be too friendly to them, Hagrid said Filch coldly. They're here to be punished after all. That's why you're late, is it? said Hagrid, frowning at Filch. Been lecturing them. Uh, it's not your place to do that. You've done your bit. I'll take over from here. I'll back down, add down, said Filch. For the, what's left of them, he added no, nastily. And he turned and started back towards the castle, his lamp bobbing away in the darkness. Malfoy now turned to Hagrid. I'm not going to the forest, he said, and Harry was pleased to hear the note of panic in his voice. Yeah, you are if you want to stay at Hogwarts, said Hagrid fiercely. You've done wrong and now you've got to play for it. But this is servant stuff. It's not for students to do. I thought we'd be writing lines or something. If my father knew I was doing this, he'd... Tell you that's how it is at Hogwarts, Hagrid growled, writing lines. What's good that to you'll do summer useful or you'll get out if you think your father rather you were expelled than 
get back off to the castle and pack. Go on. Malfoy didn't move. He looked at Hagrid furiously but then dropped his gaze. Right then, said Hagrid, now listen carefully cause it's dangerous what we're gonna do tonight and, and I don't want no one to taking risks. Follow me over here a moment. He led to the very edge of the forest, holding his lamp up high, he pointed down a narrow winding earth crack that disappeared into the thick black trees. A light breeze lifted their hair as they looked into the forest. Look there, said Hagrid. See the stuff shining on the ground, silvery stuff? That's unicorn blood. There's a unicorn in there, been hurt badly by summer. This is the second time in the in a week I found one dead last year Wednesday. We are gonna try and find the poor thing. We might have to put it out of the misery. And and whatever and what if whatever hurts the unicorn finds us first, said Malfoy, unable to keep the fear out of his voice. There's nothing that lives in the forest that'll hurt you if you are with me or Fang, said Hagrid, and keep to the path right now. We are going to sp gonna split into two parties and follow the trail in different directions. There's blood all over the place. It must have been straggling around since last night at last. I want Fang, said Malfoy quickly, looking at Fang's long teeth. All right, but I warn you, he's a coward, said Hagrid. So me, Harry, and Hermione go on one way and Draco, Neville and Fang go the other. Now, if any of us finds the unicorns, we'll send up green sparks, right? Gaia warns out and practice now. That's it. And if anyone gets in trouble, send up red sparks and we'll all come to find you. So be careful, let's go. The forest was black and silent. A little way into the edge, they reached a folk in the earth path, and Harry, Hermione, and Hagrid looked the left path, while Malfoy, Neville, and Fang looked the right. They walked in silence, their eyes on the ground. Every now and then, a ray of moonlight through the branches above light a spot of silver-blue blood on the fallen leaves. Harry saw that Hagrid looked very worried. Could a werewolf be killing the unicorns? Harry asked. Not fast enough, said Hagrid. It's not easy to catch a unicorn. There are powerful magic creatures. I never knew one to be her before. They walked past a mossy tree stump. Harry could hear running water. There must be a stream somewhere close by. There were Still spots of unicorn blood here and there along the winding path. You all right, Hermione, Hagrid whispered. Don't worry, it can't get afar if it's this badly hurt and then we'll be able to get behind the tree. Harry seized Harry and Hermione and hoisted them off the path behind a towering oak. He found out an arrow and fitted it into his crossbow, raising it. Ready to fire, the three of them listened. Something was slithering over dead leaves nearby. It's if something like a cloak trailing around the ground. Hagrid was squinting up the dark path, but after a few seconds, the second faded away. And knew it, he murmured. There's a summer in here. 
that shouldn't be a werewolf, Harry suggested. That wasn't of no werewolf, and it wasn't no unicorn, neither, said Hagrid grimly. Right, follow me, but careful now. They walked more slowly, ears training for the faintest sound. Suddenly, in a clearing ahead, something definitely moved. Who's there? Hagrid called. Show yourself, I'm armed. And into the clearing came, was it a man or a horse to the waist? A man with red hair and beard, but below that was a horse's gleaming chestnut body with a long reddish tail and Harry and Hermione's jaws dropped. Oh, it's you, Ronan, said Hagrid in relief. How are you? He walked forward and shook his, shook the centaur's hand. Good evening to you, Hagrid, said Ronan. Uh, he had a deep, soaring voice. Where are you going to shoot me? Can't be too careful, Ronan, said Hagrid, patting his crossbow. There's some bad loose in the forest. This is Harry Potter and Hermione Granger. By the way, students up at the school, and this is Ronan, you too. He's a centaur. He noticed, said Hermione faintly. Faintly. Good evening, said Ronan. Students, how are you? And do you learn much up at school? Um, a bit, said Harry, said Hermione timidly. A bit. Well, that's something. Ron sighed. He flung back his head and stared at the sky. Mars is bright tonight. Yeah, said Hagrid, glancing up too. Listen, I'm glad we've run into. You, Ronan, cause there's a unicorn been hurt. You seen anything? Ronan didn't answer immediately. He stared unblinkly towards the inside again. Always the innocent are the first victims, he said. So it has been ages past, so it is now. Yeah, said Hagrid, but have you seen anything, Ronan? Anything unusual? Mar Mars is bright tonight, Ronan repeated while Hagrid watched him impatiently. Unusually bright. Yeah, but I was meaning something unusual a bit more nearer home, said Hagrid. So you haven't noticed anything strange yet again? Ronan took a while to answer. At last, he said, the forest hides many secrets. A movement in the trees behind Ronan made Hagrid raise his bow again, but it was only a second centaur, black-haired and boiled, but wilder looking than Ron Ronan. Hello, Ben, said Hagrid. All right. Good evening, Hagrid. I hope you are well. Well enough. Look, I've just been asking Ronan. You seen anything odd in here lately? One, only there's a unicorn being injured. Would you know anything about it? Ben walked over to stand next to Ronan. He looked skyward. Mars is bright tonight, he said simply. We heard, said Gr Harry grumpily. Well, if either of you do see anything, let me know, won't you? We'll be off then. Harry and Hermione followed him out of his clearing, staring over the sh his, their shoulders at Ronan and Bane until the trees blocked their view. Never, said Harry irritably, try and get a straight answer out of a centaur. Ruddy stargazers, not interested in, in anything, closes the moon. Are there many of them in here? asked Hermione. Oh, a fair few keep themselves to themselves mostly. But there's 
good enough about turning up if ever I want a word. They're deep minds and tours. They know things just don't lay on much. Do you think what was a centaur we heard earlier, said Harry? Did that sound like hooves to you? Nah. If you ask me, that was what's been killing the unicorns. Never heard anything like it before. They walked on through the dense, dark trees. Harry kept looking nervously over his shoulder. He had the nasty feeling they were being watched. He was very glad they had Hagrid and his crossbow with them. They had just passed a bend in the path when Hermione grabbed Hagrid's arm. Hagrid, look, red sparks. The others are in trouble. You two were here, Hagrid shouted. Stay on path. I'll come back for you. They heard him crashing away through the undergrowth and stood looking at each other, very scared, until they couldn't hear anything about but the rustling of leaves around them. You don't think they've been hurt, do you? whispered Hermione. I don't care if Malfoy has, but if something's got Neville, it's our fault. He's here in the first place. The minutes dragged by. Their ears seemed sharper than usual. Harry seemed to be picking up every sigh of the wind, every cracking twig. What was going on? What were the, the others? Where were the others? At last, a great crunching noise announced Hagrid's return. Malfoy, Neville, and Fang were with him. Hagrid was fuming. Malfoy, it seemed, had sneaked up behind Neville and grabbed him for a joke. Neville had panicked and sent him up the sparks. We'll be lucky to catch anything now with the racket you two were making. Right, we're changing ropes. Neville, you stay with me and Hermione. Harry, you go with Fang and this idiot. I'm sorry, Hagrid added in a whisper to Harry, but he'll have a harder time frightening you and we've got to get this done. So, Harry set off into the heart of the forest with Malfoy and Fang. They walked for nearly half an hour deeper and deeper into the forest until the path became almost impossible to follow because the trees were so thick. Harry thought the blood seemed to be getting thicker. There were splashes on the roots of a tree as though the poor creature had been thrashing around in pain close by. Harry could see a clearing ahead through the tangled branches of an ancient oak. Something bright was gleaming on the ground. They inched closer. It was the unicorn, all right, and it was dead. Harry had never seen anything so beautiful and sad. Its long slender legs were stuck out at odd angles where it had fallen and its mane was spread purely white on the dark leaves. Look, he murmured, holding out his arm to Malfoy to stop Malfoy. Harry had taken one step towards it when a slithering sound made him freeze where he stood a bush on the edge of the clearing quivered. Then, out of the shadows, a hooded figure came crawling across the ground like some stalking beast. Harry, Malfoy, and Fang stood transfixed. The cloak 
figure which reached the unicorn it lowered its head over the wound uh, in the animal's side and began to drink its blood ah malfoy let out a terrible scream and bolted so did fang the hooded figure raised its head and looked right at the hairy unicorn blood was dribbling down its front it got to its feet and came swiftly towards him he couldn't move for fear then a pain pierced his head like he'd never felt before it was as though his car was on fire half blinded he staggered backwards he heard hooves behind him galloping and something jumped clean over them charging at the figure the pain in harry's head was so bad he fell onto his knees he took a minute or two to pass when he looked up the figure had gone a centaur was standing over him not ronin or bane this one was looked younger he had white blonde hair and a palomino body are you all right said the centaur pulling harry to his feet yes thank you what was that the centaur didn't answer he had astonishingly blue eyes like pale sapphires he looked carefully at harry his eyes lingering on the scar which stood out livid on harry's forehead you are the potter boy he said you had better get back to hagrid the forest is not safe at this time especially for you can you ride it will be quicker this way my name is farrens he added as he lowered himself on his on to his front legs so that harry could clamber on to his back there was suddenly a sound of more galloping from the other side of the clearing ron and bane came bursting through the trees their flanks heavy having and sweating farrens bane thundered what are you doing you have a human on your back have you no shame are you common mule do you realize who this is said farrens this is the potter boy the quicker he leaves the forest the better what have you been telling him growled bane remember farrens we are sworn not to see ourselves against the heavens we have we not read read what is to come in the movements of our plan of the planets ronan pawed the ground nervously i'm sure farrens thought he was acting for the best he said in his gloomy voice bane kicked his back legs in anger for the best what is that to do with us centaurs are concerned with what has been foretold it is not our business to run around like donkeys after stray humans in our forest farren suddenly ro- reared onto his hand hind legs in anger so that harry had to grab his shoulders to stay on do you not see that unicorn farren's beloved at bane do you not understand why it was killed or have the planets not let you in on this secret i set myself against that watch is lurking in the forest bane yes with humans alongside me if i must and farrens whisked around with harry clutching on as best he could 
they plunked off into the trees, leaving Ronan and Bane behind them. Harry didn't have a clue what was going on. Why is Brain so Bane so angry? He asked. What was the thing you saved me from? Anyway, Farron slowed to walk to a walk, warned Harry to keep his head bowed in case of low-hanging trees, but did not answer Harry's question. They made their way through the trees in silence for so long that Harry thought Farron's didn't want to talk to him anymore. They were passing through a particularly dense part of trees. However, when Farron suddenly stopped, Harry Potter, do you know what unicorn blood is used for? No, said Harry, startled by the old question. Odd question. We've only used the horn and tail hair in portions. This is because it is monstrous thing to say a unicorn, said Firenze. Only one who has nothing to lose and everything to gain would commit such a crime. The blood of unicorn will keep you alive even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price you have a slain something pure and defenseless to save yourself and you will have but a half-life, a cursed life from the moment the blood touches your lips. Harry stared at the back of the firen's head, which was dappled silver in the moonlight. But who'd be that desperate? He wondered aloud. If you are going to be cursed forever, that's better, isn't it? It is, Firenze agreed. Unless all you need is to stay alive long enough to drink something else, something that will bring you back to full strength and power, something that will mean you can never die. Mr. Potter, do you know what is hidden in the school at this very moment? The philosopher's tone, of course, the elixir of life, but I don't understand who. Can you think of nobody who has waited many years to return to power, who was clung to life, awaiting their chance? It was as though an iron fist had clenched suddenly around Harry's heart over the rustling of the trees. He seemed to hear once more what Hagrid had told him. On the night they had met, some say he died. Could wall well up, in my opinion. Don't know he, if he had enough human left in him to die. Do you mean, Harry Crockle, that was wall? Harry, Harry, are you all right? Hermione was running towards them down the path, Hagrid puffing along behind her. I'm fine, said Harry, hardly knowing what he was saying. The unicorn's dead. Hagrid, it's in that clearing back in there. The unicorn's dead. Hagrid, it's in that clearing back there. This is where I leave you, Firenze murmured as Hagrid hurried off to examine the unicorn. You are safe now. Harry slid off his back. Good luck, Harry Potter, said Firenze. The planets have been read wrongly before now, even by centaurs. I hope this is one of those times. He turned and cantered back into the depths of the forest, leaving Harry shivering behind him. Ron had fallen asleep in the dark common room, waiting for them to return. He shouted something about Quidditch, fowls, fowls. When Harry roughly shook him awake, in a matter of seconds, though, he was wide-eyed as Harry began to tell him 
and Hermione what had happened in the forest. Harry couldn't sit down. He paced up and down when, in front of the fire, he was still shaking. Snape watched the stone for Voldemort and Voldemort waiting in the forest, and all the time we thought Snape just wanted to get rich. Stop saying the name, said Ron in a terrified whisper, as if he thought Voldemort could hear them. Harry was not listening. Fire and save me, but he shouldn't have done. Bane was furious. He was talking about interfering with what the planets say is going to happen. They must show that Voldemort's coming back. Bane thinks Fire and should have let Voldemort kill me. I suppose that's written in the stars as well. Will you stop saying the name? Ron hissed. So all I've got to wait for now is Snape to steal the stone. Harry went on fiercely. Then Voldemort will be able to come and finish me off. Well, I suppose Bane will be happy. Hermione looked very frightened, but she had a word to con- of comfort. Harry, everyone says Dumbledore's the one you know who was ever afraid of. With Dumbledore around, you know who won't touch you. Anyway, who says the centaurs are right? It sounds like fortune telling to me, and Professor McGonagall says that's a very imprecise branch of magic. The sky had turned light before they stopped talking. They went to bed exhausted, their throats sore, but the night surprises weren't over. When Harry pulled back his sheets, he found his invisibility cloak folded nearly underneath them. There was a note pinned on it, just in case. So guys, this now this is the end of the chapter and this chapter is finished now we are going to start our next chapter which is chapter 16 the through the trap door so till then thank you for listening bye bye